Hey, podcast listeners, the Orthodox Center for the Advancement of Biblical Studies is sponsoring its annual biblical symposium at St. Elizabeth Orthodox Church in St. Paul, Minnesota, March 8 to 9, 2019. This year's keynote speaker is Dr. Robert Miller from the Catholic University of America. Meet Father Paul Tarazi and other scholars who will present and discuss papers on biblical exegesis and language. Join Father Mark Bulos and Dr. Richard Benton for a live recording of the Bible's Literature Podcast. Engage with others like you who are committed to biblical studies for all who have ears to hear. Register online at ephesusschool.org. Each week, the Bible as Literature podcast brings you in-depth discussion of the biblical text in a format short enough for your morning commute, but long enough to be substantive, posing difficult questions meant to keep you engaged. If you value this work, please consider donating as little as 25 cents per episode. That's just $1 per month. To learn more, please visit patreon.com forward slash Bible. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Bible. Thank you. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos with the Bible as Literature podcast. Too often, teachers use Matthew chapter 7, verse 6 to cast aspersion on the unchurched, difficult students, or people who are not interested in what they have to say. In doing so, they twist the meaning of the gospel to serve themselves at the expense of others. When the Lord warns his followers, do not give what is holy to dogs, it is the believer, not the Gentile dog, who is under judgment. Those entrusted with the gospel are responsible to abstain from defiling it with their lips. If you sit on the seat of Moses and proclaim your words in judgment and not the words of scripture, you can't help but be self-serving. Such words defile you and those who hear you. Therefore, Jesus warns, don't be surprised when the people you abuse with your lies turn and tear you to pieces. In that moment, Ezekiel proclaims, you shall know that I am the Lord, the only judge whose throne is in the heavens. Richard and I discuss the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 4 to 6. You're listening to the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos. And this is Dr. Richard Benton. And you are listening to episode 259 of the Bible as Literature podcast. How are you today, Richard? I'm doing well. How about you, Father? I'm doing very well. You know, we've been talking a lot about judgment in the Gospel of Matthew. And last week, we touched on the specific way in which the prohibition against judging applies to the teacher. There is a very fine line. You have to be very cautious to pay attention to Paul's admonition in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 about not judging and, by extension, not going beyond what is written. In Romans, Paul also deals with the question of judgment, and he, as we've said many times, shifts the judgment from Gentile to Jew, ensuring that the Jew 
would never imagine that their knowledge of Scripture gives them the right to look down on the Gentile. And remember that in Romans, the Jew is being held to account for not evangelizing the Gentile and caring for the Gentile with Torah. This question of judgment is critical. You are not allowed to go beyond what is written. You are not allowed to look at someone else's sins without first checking your own sins at the door. And of paramount importance in Matthew, you are not allowed to look down at someone from the outside. The reference point for the teacher of Scripture is Scripture. And Scripture is teaching the kingdom of heaven. As a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you are bound by the laws of this kingdom, first and foremost. Now, you can go out and talk about the kingdom. You can go out and you can teach about the kingdom. But ultimately, you are a citizen of the kingdom. You are not the king of the kingdom. And the king functions as the judge of the kingdom. That's how it all comes together. So if you choose to judge, you're always going to judge out of ignorance. And if you judge out of ignorance, you will not be just. You cannot be a just judge, and there is only one who knows, and that's the Lord, your heavenly Father, who knows what's in the heart of human beings. The Lord is the only one who can be the judge. You cannot be the judge. You are not the judge. You will not be the judge. If you set yourself in the seat of judgment, then you blaspheme against the kingdom and the one who creates the laws of the kingdom. And so you are not allowed to sit in that seat. Even if you are the teacher of this teaching, you may not sit in the seat of judgment. You can only preach what comes from that message, only that message, and that's it. Matthew will insist later that the scribes and the Pharisees and the co-hosts of the Bible as Literature podcast sit on the seat of Moses, so you should do what we say and not what we do. The minute we start talking about what we do or what we are or who we are in opposition to or relative to what you are, what you do, or who you are, we fall under the condemnation of this text. That's why on this program we are very critical of our own tradition, because we have no right to criticize someone else's tradition. To do so would defile that which has been entrusted to us and would defile those whom we disrespect through our self-righteousness. When you understand this context, when you understand that Matthew chapter 7 applies to the believer generally, but in a very special way to the one who dares to teach, then the next three verses of this chapter will make sense. Wouldn't it be easy for us to say, you know, we only have tens of thousands of listeners. We want hundreds of thousands of listeners. Why are there not hundreds of thousands of listeners? It's easy for us to say they're not serious about the Bible. They can't handle what we have to say. They don't want what we have to give them. They have a problem. We need to go work harder so that they understand and they can finally get this and they can come to appreciate this teaching that they need. It's so easy for us to say that. But if I say that, it means that somehow I know the reasons why they're not listening. I'm presuming to know why they don't listen. I presume to see the reasons why they don't accept this teaching. But we were just reading that I'm not able to see as a human being 
the reason, what's going on in their heart, I have no idea. As a teacher of scripture and a co-host of this podcast, the only thing I'm allowed to do is teach what's in the scripture. That's it. Why people listen, why they don't, whatever. I am not capable of seeing those things. All I can do is keep teaching. We are not allowed to criticize those who listen to this discussion. We are not allowed to criticize their religious community. One of the most common sins of any religious group, of any Christian church or denomination, is to gather and congratulate yourself that you're not as bad as those other Christians or people from that other religion. When you act that way, you are defiling something holy. The teaching is not given to you in order to make yourself something better than the rest of God's children. The teaching is not given to you so that you can lift yourself up and prove to others that you're right and they're wrong, or that you're somehow complete and they're somehow lacking. This is very dangerous because, as we have said repeatedly, there is only one judge. When you behave this way, God's name is mocked on our account among the Gentiles. And here, just take Gentiles literally as nations, which is a way of saying those who haven't received God's instruction yet. It's not about Jew and Gentile in terms of identity in the modern sense. It's about those who are uncircumcised by the teaching. And we're talking about the circumcision of the heart, meaning the mind. We have to be very careful when we talk about judgment. And as we said last week, this danger with respect to judgment does not allow us in any way to minimize, mute, or tamp down the message of Matthew. We have to say what Matthew says, nothing more and nothing less. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your eye. So this is a beautiful image because it shows two things at the same time. One, that you can somehow see other people's minute shortcomings when you can't see the giant shortcomings that you have. But at the same time, it says that these shortcomings of yours are blinding you so that when you think you see something in the other person's eye, who knows if you're actually seeing something or not? Your own desire to pick out other people's specks from their eyes is precisely what prevents you from seeing correctly. You can't see because you think you can see. This is exactly it. Because if you presume to see, then you presume your ability to be the judge. And if you presume your ability to be the judge, then you can no longer see that there's only one judge, where the teaching of the kingdom that you're supposed to be preaching says precisely there's only one judge. So the confusion is self-perpetuating. Once you begin on the path of confusion, you no longer have eyes to see. It's playground rules. We all know that the kid on the playground who's most insecure is exactly the kid who ridicules everyone else and bullies them and beats up on them. 
if you have to put someone else down in order to be comfortable with your own status in the community, something's wrong. And it's interesting, Rich, that Matthew is applying this universally to the church. He is applying it across the board to anyone who would claim to be a follower of Jesus. You can't be a bully. You can't be someone who lifts yourself up by pushing other people down. This is exactly how you defile oneself in Scripture. Remember, in the Gospel of Matthew, it's not what you put into your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. And what's really troubling about that instruction is that you defile not only yourself, but you defile those into whose ears your false words are poured. And just so people don't misunderstand you, Father, sometimes people feel like just because they're pulling specks out of other people's eyes with the intention of love and the intention of helping and not the intention of hurting somebody else, that somehow this is better. But it isn't better even if you're trying to be nice by pulling the speck out of someone else's eye. You can't see the speck. Even if you intend to do it out of love, you're only causing damage because you corrupt the message, you corrupt the teaching anytime you try to pick the speck out of someone else's eye. Richard, I'm going to illustrate what we've been saying in the past two episodes very quickly here before I read verse 5. I would never call you a hypocrite. (laughs) And I certainly wouldn't presume personally to call any of our listeners a hypocrite. Yet, I am compelled to read the next statement. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I have no right to call anyone a hypocrite. But I'm telling you what Matthew just said to all of us. You hypocrite. I rest my case. You have to have clear vision before any of this works. You have to, I mean, we say purify your senses, but people think purify your senses has some kind of mystical sense to it. No, purifying your senses means remove your delusions. Stop fooling yourself. Stop corrupting the teaching in your own mind, your own heart, as scripture would say it. You have a duty to understand the teaching yourself and to learn yourself before you can teach. I mean, who wants someone to teach cardiology to med students who doesn't know cardiology? God forbid. Go learn cardiology before you try to go teach someone else cardiology. When I say cardiology, everyone's going to roll their eyes as if this is obvious. But you're going to go and teach the gospel when you don't understand the very basic precept of the gospel, that there's one heavenly father who is the judge and king of the kingdom? If you don't know that, you have no business teaching. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, this verse, Richard, we have discussed at length. One of the most troubling aspects of Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, is the way in which people twist it into 
a mechanism of their own self-righteousness. As though you have a right to call the outsider a dog. As though a teacher can say, I'm not going to waste my time with this student. That's not what verse 6 is saying. Verse 6 is consolidating Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians and Romans against the church, that you have no right to look down on those who are outside your community any more than the Jew had the right to look down upon the Gentile who had not received the Torah. And you, as a teacher or a believer, are responsible to protect what is holy. You protect what is holy by making sure that you take no action that would defile what is holy or defile another human being. In other words, when you judge, when you ridicule the outsider, when you use what is sacred to build up your self-righteousness, you are defiling yourself and the outsider. You are defiling the Gentile. So don't defile the Gentile or yourself by casting what is holy to the dogs. You have no right. The text applies to you and to your community. You cannot throw it at the outsider the way that Moses threw the tablets of the law when he came down from Sinai. No way. You can't do it. And this is very serious. I want to stress this because, Rich, if I had a nickel for every time someone used this verse to justify themselves, I could retire a millionaire. There's a reason why verse 6 comes after verse 5. Verse 5 and 4 and 3 emphasize how you are incapable of judging another. So to use six as justification for judging another would be nonsense. Okay, so it can't mean that. It just can't. It would be nonsense in the context of this chapter. What's significant is that a dog can't tell the difference between something that's holy and something that's not holy. And a pig can't know the difference between a pearl and something else. They don't know what it is. Do you condemn the dog for not being able to understand what's holy? Of course not. Just like you can't condemn a dog for barking. It's what a dog is. The thing is, if you keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and throwing things at dogs and at pigs, they're going to get irritated and they're going to come after you. And then when the dog comes after you and then you complain, why is this dog attacking me? Everyone is going to say, you had no business taunting the dog. Leave it alone. You're not a martyr. If you bring suffering upon yourself, you are not a martyr scripturally. You are a fool. It is not a credit to you if you defile yourself with human judgment and you invite the anger of the outsider whom you have no right to judge, even with the text, because it doesn't apply to them until they accept it as their sole authority. So you have no right to defile yourself by throwing it at them, literally. And if they come at you, it's not a witness to the gospel. God's name is mocked among the Gentiles because of you, and it is a condemnation against you. And when they tear you to pieces, it will be as if Cyrus was sent against you by the Lord himself to tear you to pieces. This is how biblical judgment works. Later on, Matthew is going to write about Jesus's command to the disciples to go out and preach to all the Gentiles. 
you go into the town and you preach to them. And if they don't want to hear your message, you shake the dust off your feet and you leave. And God will judge that city. You won't judge that city. God will judge that city. And you move on. You have no business condemning. And he says, leave and shake the dust off your feet. If you stay and you keep irritating them with the gospel and you become a martyr, you're not a martyr. You brought it on yourself. God told you to leave. Jesus said, don't stay there. Don't irritate them. Leave. There's other business to be taken care of. It's so easy for Christians in our society to condemn those who don't want to listen or to irritate those who won't listen or to nag at those who won't listen or to tell them that they're going to go to hell or tell them that this is going to happen or they're going to have a bad life or they're making bad choices or whatever. And we nag and we nag and we nag and we complain and we complain and we condemn, but we're not allowed to cast what's holy to the dogs. If they don't want to listen, don't force it upon them. Why aren't they listening? You can't know because you can't judge because you've got a beam in your eye. If you are an evangelical, you have no right to criticize the Catholic Church. If you are a Muslim, you have no right to criticize a Jew and vice versa. If you are an Orthodox or a Catholic, you have no right to look down your nose at the Protestants. You have no right to look down your nose at anyone. That is the point that Matthew is driving home. This text applies to you, and you're a hypocrite. So why are you applying it to the outsider? Now, when you're in a community and you're teaching and everyone has accepted to put themselves under the judgment of this teaching, when everyone has accepted that they are a slave in God's household and they have to submit to his instruction— then we can hold each other accountable, and we can preach the text with force, and that's exactly what Paul explains to the church at Roman Corinth. Not only that the teacher has to impart the gospel, but that the students are to reflect the gospel back upon the teacher. It goes back and forth, Bible study, biblical exegesis, biblical study, and mutual submission to the one rule of Jesus Christ. That's what a community is in the biblical sense. But if you start willy-nilly throwing it at others in order to make yourself feel good like a playground bully, then you're exactly like the elite at the church in Roman Corinth who were puffing themselves up by hobnobbing with bullies. Rich, this is so critical, it bears repeating that the gospel was not given to empower us as bullies. In the Beatitudes, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for the sake of those works, because they'll see your works and ascribe them to your Father who is in heaven. You see, a lot of people will irritate people and annoy them with their self-righteous teaching that has everything to do with them and nothing to do with the kingdom. And then when they're persecuted, they say, look, I must be holy because I'm being persecuted. And he says, no, you're throwing pearls to swine and you irritated them and therefore they attacked you. The only reason that you're allowed to be a martyr is if you're performing good works. If you're performing the works of the teaching, that's what it said in chapter five. You can't assume that you're a martyr for God because people attack you. You might have been annoying and judging them, 
and you might have strayed from the teaching and you stopped performing good works. Only if you perform good works does it matter whether you're being persecuted or not. As Paul says in his letter to the Galatians, Richard, each man must look to himself. Thanks very much, Dr. Benton. Thank you very much, Father. Just heard the Bible as literature. Thanks for listening. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.